in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Welcome to another brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. I am John Roca. I am Matt Nost. And, uh, you know, today's show, you can see what the title is. We got this from a patron, Mr. David Mitchell Baker. Thank you, sir. He submitted for last month's and we both liked his idea so much. We were like, hey, why don't we just go ahead and do that one? Uh, You got bumped by Chris Nolan, but that's that's pretty good company. I mean, come on, DMB. You can't be arguing about Christopher Nolan bumping you for a week, for God's sakes. It's not bad. Uh, And I don't think he is. But if he is, you just (laughs) nip that shit in the bud right (laughs) now, buddy. Cut it out. Right in the bud. Cut it out. Uh, How you been? Uh, I've been good. Just busy. So many things happening. And uh, with us looking at going down to uh, uh, to San Diego, we're going out away. As we're recording this, we're going away this weekend for like three days to look at a bunch of places. We've set up viewings at, at a bunch of places, and we found some really good uh, uh, houses and um, uh, townhomes that are a little more inland, um, but mm-hmm. uh, look great uh, for the price range we were looking for. So we're very happy about that. And I've got a realtor friend from here in L.A. who's uh, made some contact with some agents down there that he knows. So we're trying to kind of like we want this trip to be the trip that solidifies it. We're done. Like we pick the place and we're good to go. And let's start the process and we'll start moving through the month of of uh, September. That's what we'd like to have happen. Uh, we'll see what happens. But that's our goal. Yeah. Um, other than that, I'm stepping down from Spot Out backstage so I can just relax a little bit and do more stuff for my channel. Um, cause I'm just exhausted every day, man. I do a lot of shit just trying to stay alive and get multiple revenue streams. And so, uh, that's my life. Yeah. How are you? How are things, man? Um, I, I would say just as a person who's done this numerous times in my life, if you don't find something you absolutely love this weekend, I realize you want to exist on a timeline, but don't right. force yourself into a year contracted anywhere if you're 80 percent yeah because if you look long enough you can find it it just takes time i know because sometimes you're like it needs to be done now and uh, like you get lucky and you find a place you love when i moved to la initially i looked for days on end i just came up here i stayed at a friend's house and i drove around went to different neighborhoods and just went wrote down a number if i liked the look of the place called them hey you're showing it type of thing and on the last day i found the place that i loved just worked out wow yeah but it took me like four straight days of driving around for hours every day and calling and trying to see as many as I could. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was convinced. I was like, I'm going to have to go back and then come back and do this again. <laughs> yeah. This is our second trip yeah. down. Uh, and we're going for longer this time so that we can, because it's a Labor Day weekend. So she has Monday off. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of really kind of sink. And we're setting up sh- uh, viewings at uh, like four or five places so far, maybe six. Uh, she's putting, she's hitting the phones today, trying to line up viewings for other places and different types of places, different types of neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So for us to kind of really spend a lot of time doing that, um, and yeah, like, and I agree with you, Matt. I, 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 yeah, like you said, I've done, you've done it a number of times. I've done it a number of times. Like the Beverly Hills place, it took us a month to find this place. A month, we went through yeah. numerous places, and I would get really exasperated and frustrated. And she was always like, "It's not right. It's not right. It's not right. We can't take it." You see? And then finally, yeah. this one showed up. And now that we've kind of outgrown this one, it's like, okay, we're gonna drive down there and see. And if we find one we really like, then boom, we're good to go. 
Uh, but you're right. Yeah, there's no need to rush it if it's not the right thing because then that's 12 months of hell and you'll constantly be bitching. Yeah. And the whole reason to go down there is to relax. And exactly. If not relaxed, it won't work out. Yeah. If you hate it, you're like, ah, oh, you know what? This fucking bedroom was not as big and I knew it wasn't as big, but we feel <laughs> better than the other house. And it's now somebody's fucking cramped in here. Yeah, just right. you're creating a headache, a, a future headache you know is coming more than likely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Before we found our, our place now. We looked for months. I went to so many stinking oh, wow. houses. I've I've been all around the city because we had very specific. This is what we're looking for. But we right. went four months. Spent every, you know our weekends. <laughs> they're doing open houses over here. I'm just going looking at as many houses like two, three, four in a day. Right, right. And wow. uh, yeah. yeah, get lunch out somewhere and just kind of try and make a day of it. Yeah, yeah. It sucks, but. Once you find it, you're like, fuck yes. Like, I can't believe you're not going to charge more for this. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how the price, I mean, because all of COVID, a lot of these prices have gone down three to $500 per month. If you look at Zillow and Trulio, some of those places that we're looking at now for a certain price point, they were $500 more or $300 more mm -hmm. like two months ago. But because people are leaving like crazy, um, then the, the prices are going down. So hopefully we can, we, we love this three bedroom place, got about 1,800 square feet. If we can negotiate the price down and we like it, I think that's the one we really want to go with. But we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, there's a number of things out there. Uh, and a number of new developments are down there, too, as you move, mm -hmm. as you go, like, outside of the city. There's a lot of new development happening. Uh, and that wouldn't be bad, too. Kind of place just kind of putting your roots yeah. down in a new place, you know? I kind of like that idea. So, there's, we'll yeah, see. there's a lot of cool. It's the biggest small city you'll ever live in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It has a It has a... I mean, as huge as it is, it's in the top 10 biggest cities in the country, but in no way does it feel like that at any right. given time, right. uh, having lived there for a number of years. Yeah. But yeah, there's tons of good areas. It's just a matter of what can I find in my price range? And that dictates where you want to go. And then there are other things of, you know, you go other areas and pay even less and get as yeah. big a place. True, true. But may not want to be in those areas. Nope. We drove through those areas, Matt. Yep. It's not a positive experience, so I'm good. I, I would stay away from Escondido if I were you. Yes, yes, we're staying away from Escondido. Uh, Miramar is not bad, but it's right by that all the military stuff, so I'm not sure yeah. if we want to do that. So, yeah. The easy way to remember Encinitas versus Escondido this is the way I tricked myself into because I yeah. lived there for like two years before, and I was like, I can't remember which is which because uh, you hear them so often. So yeah. Escondido, Escape, ESC, Encinitas on the sea because it's right on the washer. Or gotcha. Water, gotcha. Uh, yeah. Escondido. That's the first time I ever saw like needles out on the <laughs> ground somewhere. And I was like, this place is fucking. And then it became a meth capital. And now there's <laughs> meth garbage strewn about. And there's a bunch of racists that live up there, <sighs> at least when yeah. I lived there. And yeah, it's a fucked up place, man. It's like the desert invaded San Diego area. <laughs> but, Every time I drive to Vegas, like you pass those towns, and you're like, what yeah. did you do in your life that forced you here? Right. You know what I mean? Right. You're right. running from something. Nobody moves to a desert, a yeah. lowly populated desert for no fucking reason. Yeah, exactly. Oof, uh, yeah. We, we, her sister lives in Pacific Beach. Yeah, Pacific Beach is nice. Uh, it can be, can be, can be, can be. Well, it can be broy. Yeah, that's the thing that I think we yeah. wanted to avoid. And I remember when we were looking at places, we drove through Hermosa Beach here when, before we took the one here in Beverly Hills. It's very bro -y. And she was like, this is way too bro -y, babes. We'll, drive, we'll go it's crazy. It's very bro -y. I was like, mm -hmm. you're right. You're right. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, what's and, going on on your end? Then, then then Laguna, Newport, and Manhattan are all crazy expensive if yeah. you live down by those. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. North PB is where I lived my last couple of years. And it's chill. Oh. It's chill. 
yeah. it's completely chill and I loved living up there. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we looked, we looked at Kensington, but there's nothing really around there. So to go okay. closer to the city, but I think we're, we're happier being more outside. Okay. Uh, just want to lay down. We just want to lay down. <laughs> yeah. We just want to fucking lay down. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, it's so crazy, man. You reach a certain um, point in your life where things slow down a little. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, now you got to think about like, fuck, moving everything. Like she, I, 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 you know, I mean, you know, fuck. I uh, so, see. I once I know I'm moving, I enjoy it. Yeah. Oh. I've okay. moved a lot of times in my life, so you just kind of have to commit to doing it. Start yeah. early. Yeah. Start packing early and stuff. Yeah. yeah. The knickknack shit that you don't need out. Yeah. Just start. Take one night. Box up a couple boxes. Just do two. Yeah. And then a couple nights later, do a couple more boxes. And then by the end, you just have a lot of the big shit you use all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've moved a solid like 15 times in my life. 16 times. Yeah. I'm good at, I can Tetris the living shit out of a moving van. (laughs) I am so good at it. Wow. And Catherine at two different points didn't think we'd be able to fit. And we had fit with room to spare. And then we were unloading. And she's like, there's no way we're going to get this all in here. And I got half what we needed in one area and we could still walk around to get it. And then the other half put away where they need to be put away. And I was like, this is easy. I fucking certain skills in life. You just take to like a fish to water. This was fine. I've always been good at moving. Uh, it sucks, but it's just like, what are you going to do? Just think, uh, I get to hang my shit up in this new place and look forward to, you know, the new yeah. journey that you're about to begin. That's what I do. Yeah. 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 That's a fair point. That's a fair point. And we're, we're ready. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm asking again, how are you? How are things on your end? Everything cool? So anyway, San Diego. <laughs> uh, I, I'm good. Okay. Um, just more uh, painting. I've done a shitload of painting and doing okay. more painting. And right after this painting project, then we're going to put a halt on painting projects for a little while. And then I'm moving right. on to uh, probably building a retaining wall in the back and then removing, like trying to flatten out an area to make a sitting area type of right. thing with a little oh, fire nice. pit. Yeah, yeah, so I got to dig out and I got to dig, dig in a retaining wall. That'll be the next one. I'm just waiting for the fuck you weather that apparently is what coming tomorrow, Saturday? When, what, when is it going to rain or something? What no, no, no. It goes from we've had a relatively nice week to last I saw yesterday it was going to be 105, I think, oh, on Saturday. Fuck. Jesus Christ. Wait, 105 yeah, Saturday, 107 on Sunday. So it's just like, oh, my even, God. I know. I don't. And there's nowhere to go sit inside. I got to ask Lindley right now. What is weekend what is the sd weather supposed to be because like 172 jesus christ 105 it's, yeah it's not gonna uh, be good i hope it's breezier down there we'll see it was 80 two days ago yeah it was nice 82 yeah. days ago yeah it was I, I knew it i saw the weather and i was like man we're jumping almost 30 degrees by the end mm. of this week mm. Mm. it's all right though we're starting to slowly get into this was one of the, the in the argument for the best summer i've lived here oh yeah yeah because that has been too hot nope and we it's have been not kind of a, a respite, you know, Two like I think it was two years ago. It's in the argument for that, because that one was another crazy one where yeah. we only had a couple days above 100. And that lasted through September yeah. as well. Right. It was pretty yeah. hairy. I remember we'll that. still get the weird end of October and three days straight of 100. It happens yeah. every year. Yeah. Like clockwork. It's true. It's Somewhere. True. Sometimes it lands on uh, Halloween, which sucks because I dress up for my my, you know, nephew and niece and go down there and i put on whatever the fuck you know theme they've chosen right and the years where it's like oh it'll be low 70s by the time night drops you're like this is perfect yeah other years where it's gonna be 88 when the the sun drops you're like oh 
It's the worst. Uh, <laughs> it is. Um, well, anyway, today, today they were doing uh, 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 top 10 films that happen all in one day or in a 24 hour period, I would imagine. Uh, so basically that uh, that's kind of the, the the I don't know, the resume I went with uh, the qualifications. If it's over a 24 hour period or a day. Uh, and so uh, that's kind of how I look at it. So uh, we're going to do that. And thanks to David Mitchell Baker for the suggestion. Uh, Matt, there were a lot to choose from here that I was surprised about. I had, I had some extra ones on the side. I had so many that uh, I did basically a list of movies we've never talked about or maybe only talked about once. Okay. All right. But I will give a little bit more weight to yours depending on I made a real list and then I made the second list. Okay. So kind of like a, I know that that's a better film. Right. But we've never talked about a ton of these, or if we have, it's in passing. It's never made a list. So I was like, why not do something different? Okay. But to be, you know, truthful, I still have my original list. Well, I have okay. them bolded. I didn't order them, but it's basically, I know the order kind of. Anyway, so that's how I did it. Right. Uh, okay. Still I a like ton that. of movies. I Yes. Yes. A ton of movies, man. I only kept, I think, one, maybe two overlaps from my original list. Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, we we right. may have one in there outside of, I think, one for sure we do. And then yeah. after that, I'm not sure. I don't think we'll have another one in common. Okay. All right. Done and done. Well, this will be fun then. Um, all right. Uh, do you want to tell them how the show works before we start? Uh, once we set a topic and one of us decides to kind of rejigger the rules so that we can talk about new movies, we go our separate ways and create individual lists. Show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top ten list or the bullshit one that we created for this show, even though I stand by each and every one of these movies, we combine the shows to make the the final eventual list. I lost the thread of it. Yeah, you're almost at, there. <laughs> at ten, okay. I've got Elephant. Oh, great choice. Not on my list, but great choice, man. Yeah. And it was never, it's never made a show. It's it true. is, uh, it's never, I don't, can't even think of a time that it came up in a discussion. It's a fictionalization of a Columbine like uh, occurrence or event, whatever you want to call it, tragedy. Right. Uh, and it was, you know, you don't ever want to glorify someone that does that. So they changed it and they fictionalized it. But it was kind of fascinating to live this one day with the two shooters that go in and the stoic nature of them walking around the halls. Like, does it, does this moment even really register? Um, Like where are they at, you know, mentally and the cold hearted nature of it as they just callously walk through the halls and pull the trigger. It stuck with me. I've seen it once and I can still remember huge chunks of it. I saw it when it came out because it was award season type of thing. Right. Right. Um, but I have not seen it since, and it's it's still it has stuck with me when it made the side list because I was writing down anything and everything, and I was like, well, we've never talked about that movie. It's a Van Zandt, isn't it? Yeah, it's Gus. Uh, uh, yes, I think so. Because um, I know Last Days is Van Sant, okay. the uh, Kurt Cobain one. So let me see, Elephant, two thousand three. Uh, yes, Van Sant. Yeah, okay. He's in that weird period there. Where he's exploring this kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's set in yeah. Portland. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. And it stuck out because of that too. I was like, wow, this is a Gus Van Zandt. It doesn't really feel like a Gus Van Zandt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actors. But, I don't really see much. Alex yeah. Frost. Yeah. Don't really couldn't see think him out of a lineup. Um, 
It's kind of like the kid from Boyhood. Did he go on to continue acting? Like, I have no idea. I've never seen him or anything. Oh, right. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. But it's not moving a day, but it's like that was his job for a long time. You would think that. Or was he by the time they were finishing up, he was just over it and ready to finish shooting his scenes type of thing. Yeah, I mean, um, he hasn't done something since 2017, and that was his first movie. Uh, this guy, uh, Alex Frost, who's kind of the main lead, one of the main leads. He was in Drill Bit Taylor. Um, okay, never saw that's it. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, the Owen Wilson comedy. Comedy. Um, oh, it's a great choice, man. Uh, that's a it's a it's a pretty tough movie to watch. I've only seen it, it once. It's one of those Me movies too. you're like, fuck, man, fuck, as you're watching yeah. it, and it's a little hard to watch, but it's incredible exploration of uh, what might have happened to Columbine, certainly based on what happened there. So certainly some things mm-hmm. resonate as you're watching it. So great choice, man. What's your number nine? Nine is source code. Oh man, that's an even better choice. Jesus Christ, that's great. Yeah, I forgot about that one happening because it's over and over again. Yeah, so, he's yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's only alive in that little incubator. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it came out, what, 10 years ago, 12 years ago? But that is the, there, yeah. uh, the hook of that movie, unfortunately. <laughs> I hope you can erase, erase this from your mind or just watch it in six months, which you've forgotten that I said that. <laughs> uh, but it does not come up all that often. No, no. Which kind of surprised know. me because it's a it's a good movie. You get uh, him, what, Vera Farmiga, Jeffrey Wright. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember who else is in it off the top of my head. I've seen it like three, four times, though. Yeah. And it's directed by Duncan Jones, who you love for doing Moon. Yeah. So there's a lot of positive uh, energy around that movie. And it's really um, – it's surprisingly well done. And when you realize the twist, uh, it's pretty uh, shocking in, in the time that you realize the twist. And then it's pretty heartbreaking and emotional, too, with what happens with uh, his dad. You know, So there's that uh, factored into the situation as well. Uh, let me see. I think I thought Michelle Monaghan is in this. Am I wrong? Is she? I can only remember those three. She is. Yeah. Michelle Monaghan, Vera Farmiga, and Jeffrey Wright. She's the girlfriend that he's trying to reunite okay. with. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now I can see her. Yeah. In the yeah. train station area. Yeah, in the train. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, um, and Jake is great in this movie. Shit. He's he great. In this movie. It's, it started that run of, dude, everything this guy touches, man, yeah. is he is excellent at it. I think the final capital of that was Nightcrawler. And once I saw Nightcrawler, I was like, oh, yeah. this guy has such incredible range. It's utterly ridiculous because he went, right. what? Is his prisoners or enemy? His is enemy, isn't it? Uh, yeah, both. Because he's the detective oh, yeah. in prison. He's the detective. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those. And you got this. And then you have Nightcrawler. Yeah. And you've got uh, just churning out left and right and left and right. Source code. Um, you know, it's a... It's kind of an idea on some level that you've seen before with time travel-ish movies, yeah. but in a completely different way. Yeah. And it was a unique, interesting, like watching Looper. Fucking even, Looper. Even though people have pointed out like this part doesn't make sense and whatnot, I don't really care because yeah. the overall product is so successful and interesting that I'm willing to turn a blind eye to, you know, it's yeah. minor things here and there. They can make a great point, you know, but they don't talk about this enough. Um, Matt with Gyllenhaal, like source code, end of watches the next year, then prisoners and enemy are both in the same year. Prisoners oh, and enemy from Villanueva. have you seen Tax Collector? Not yet. No, the David Ayer one. Okay. No, I have not seen that. I will. I you know what I was having after end of watch because you know what I mean. He's going did the Fury. He did yeah. the Suicide Squad. Like boom, he's going back to end of watch. 
He's going back to what he knows. I can't wait for this. I saw the trailer, and I was like, you know what? I hope the Latino community doesn't get upset with Shia because to me, he's pulling the shit off. And then the reviews initially came in, and uh, it was so disheartening. I was so looking forward to that. I was like, that looks interesting as shit. The reviews uh, were rough. I know. Yeah, just that's why I didn't watch it. It's why I didn't watch it, man. Because the reviews were so bad. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to put myself through that, man. Um, yeah, then that? then he does Nightcrawler in 2014, man. So this is a three year run, and then Southpaw in 2015. Four movies uh-huh. in 2015: Demolition, Everest, Southpaw, and something called Accidental Love that I don't. Everest know. is awesome too. It's one of the one of the only mountaineering movies that's actually good, start to finish. I agree. I even like Demolition as a like sit back, let me not to put too much expectations on this movie and just watch him. Which one is uh, that? Demolition is the one where his like his wife dies and he's like going through the process of of uh dealing with her death and he like tears apart his entire apartment. He, he just this is because of it, it's his life and then he gets involved with Naomi Watts, who's a t- who's a phone uh operator about something, and so he's just like goes crazy about it. Um uh you know, yeah, his wife, Julia, is driving them when they are struck by another vehicle, which kills her. Recovering in the hospital, he attempts to purchase some candy from a vending machine, which malfunctions. Then he drafts a complaint to the vending machine manufacturer uh, that includes some of the venting of his experiences. The woman who reads it is Naomi Watts's character. And then they start to have these like phone conversations and they start to kind of come together. And then he's ex- taking apart things in his uh, apartment or in his place, in his house. Uh, as a way of kind of taking apart his own mind and processing the death of his wife. So it's an interesting movie. It's not a great movie, but it's certainly a movie you can watch and kind of enjoy Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in, in my opinion. I have not seen that. I'll have to watch it. Yeah. Just a small suggestion. Only made $10 million. Um, but yeah, All right. So that was my nine. Okay. What's your eight? My eight is Train to Busan. Oh, you son of a bitch. That's, I'm just going to put that on my list there. I'm just going to put it at uh, number 10. Fine. Fuck it. It's number 10. Let's talk about it. I wish 28 Days Later happened in a day. It does not. Um, it does but not. Busan, I have not seen the new follow-up. I'm oh, still willing true. to give it a chance, but the reviews of the middle, low middle, C-minus area appears to be where it's yeah. set. Yeah. D-plus plus on, uh, plus rather, on a bad day. Like Maybe plus, it's better than that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it is. I will eventually watch that. I just don't know when. But Train right. to Busan, because you told me about it on this show. Yeah. I yeah, yeah. And then some people tweeted saying, you really should watch that. It's super you know, interesting and good. Yeah. Um, and I watched it, and it, you know where it's going. Yeah. The whole fucking time. <laughs> it, it is utterly satisfying yeah. each and every time. Yeah. Every little twist of who gets picked off next, which, you know, spoiler alert, it's a zombie movie, so people die. Yeah. Uh, what a giveaway. What a giveaway. What a, exactly. That was not compared to the <laughs> earlier one with the yeah. uh, Iron Lung. Spoiler. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that was. But anyway, yeah. it was still utterly satisfying, especially leaving the one character for one of the final ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just like ah, oh, that's that's so good because yeah. they could have gotten their their you know comeuppance earlier and it wouldn't have been as satisfying yeah. as watching them get this late little stage in the movie uh, and a nice little uh, storyline between the father and the estranged daughter, the little mm-hmm. girl that you know he, he 
I don't want to say neglected. He's just obsessed his time with other things. My guess is because his marriage failed and he feels like a failure. So he's doing it over here and trying to be a successful businessman. That is a guess yeah, yeah. because they don't really fill you in all that much on his backstory. If memory serves, I've seen it a couple of times. Uh, yeah, it's, they don't, they just, he's a super, he's just a business guy who's yeah. really caught up with his uh, career and his life. Uh, and his uh, young girl is, she knows that he's been neglecting her and it's like, She's the one that makes him get on the train. She he doesn't want to go on the train. He doesn't yeah. want to go there to, to to drop her off with her mom. Uh, but he she's making her do it, you know. And so she gets on the train and they get on the train. I mean, all that and all that shit goes down. I love that he's a massive jerk at the mm-hmm. beginning, and then how she calls him out on it at every stage of the train. She doesn't default into daddy save me mode. She defaults into kind of like, What kind of fucking person are you? Yeah. through the whole movie. It's pretty incredible. And the the dude with his wife, they're awesome. And when what happens to them happens, and you're like, oh man! So it's just it's so cool to watch it. Um, and you would think they're out of ideas for a zombie film, and then you see something like this, yeah. you go, oh no, man! This is when it's done well. Um, why not? I mean, we've seen five million rom coms. You don't, you know, it's not a formula that's tired. You just got to find a new way in, and this found a new way into the zombie mm-hmm. film. I loved it. Yeah. Um, it's also why I don't want to see the sequel, Matt, because this is, this like feels like a singular film. And it was a, it, it was what it was, and just enjoy it for what it was, and move on. You know? It goes it goes from quasi realistic how yeah. they how the movie like how it unfolds and the people that die and that don't die, etc. Yeah. Um, and I can believe that happening in a night you manage to survive. It's the progression beyond that, where something like twenty eight days later, you establish with a character that wakes up 28 days later and the world has already changed and he's surrounded by people that have managed to live this long. So if they do hit those circumstances, be like, well, these, all these others have already been through this. Yeah. So they know the drill of how to hide and get away and all that. That's more believable to me as opposed to those first few nights, the vast majority are going to get killed. Yeah. True. Because nobody's figured out how the, how to get away. Just like, uh, uh, the quiet place or quiet place or world war Z or, Quiet Place starts afterwards, but they figured out, like, noise. Got to stay quiet. <laughs> um, that's another one I was going to go see, and then theaters got shut down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, sec- the sequel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, one looks, that one looked really good, and the reviews were pretty positive overall. Yeah. So I, like I, I was looking forward to uh, With Killian coming in. Yeah, Killian Murphy. Yeah. And can't, you can't have enough Killian, man. He's so good at what he does. I know. Just... Never really got a shot, I guess, all that much of movies. I mean, Scarecrow, Sunshine. Yeah. He had I don't, a run. I don't think he's meant to be like the big lead, you know? And so, at least for the American films, right? He's great in Peaky Blinders. Know, or he just commands you with those steely eyes. He does. He does. So, but and then. He's also a wayfish, though. Maybe they don't feel affinity to him for that reason. I don't know. I don't know. Like, Bana's got strong eyes, too. But people just didn't feel the connection to Bana. To. Banner, Eric Banner, Eric Banner. Banner. I thought you were saying Bono at first, and I was like, he wears shades. Like he's got the dullest eyes when he takes them off because we're also used to him peacocking with his sunglasses. <laughs> um, yeah, Banner, the blues guy. Yeah. Eh. Okay. Yeah, but, but, you know. Anyway, that was my eight. There you go. That's your, that's your eight. That I was like my it. Eight. It's a good choice, man. That was my 10. Just, just got kicked off Touch of Evil. I was going to put Touch of Evil 10. Train of Busan kicked it right off. Dang so man. my number nine is uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. 
we talked about it, so I didn't put it on my list. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, this is a great, I mean, just a great <laughs> film. Um, still holds up. Uh, the only reason the other films are higher is just for quality sakes or for uh, just reverence I have for these films. But certainly, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is just one of the most quotable 80s movies. It's one of these films that doesn't um, suffer when you go back and watch the film, uh, either uh, day being dated or uncomfortable sexual moments that are yeah. offensive to the woman involved in the in the film or the female involved in the film. Uh, it's very clear what the film is. Um, uh, a lot of people I've seen recently the uh, theory that Cameron never that the whole film's a, a dream that Cameron has while he's still in bed, that he hung up the phone, fell back asleep, and he never got out of bed to go yeah. hang out with uh, Ferris because everything works out and the weird. It feels like a dream sequence. I mean, the dance, the coordinated dance at the end. The, the he's got the cool friend that knows how to get the best table, at the best restaurant. Right, he right. He's in that. any situation. He just knows his way around. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, and then having even that heart to heart with Mia Sarah's character near the end of the movie, it's not something he probably would do in real life. So that kind of stuff, uh, I think, was and plus you're like having the dream of those guys taking the car. How would he know that? Like you know. How would we know that they take the car and fly around? This is so that all could be part of the dream sequence as well. So I love that theory that it's a dream and it never actually happened. Uh, but he and he's the hero at the end. He's the one he would be the hero of his own dream at the end. So it makes so much sense. But great film. Last time Matthew Broderick was cool. Um, it's the only time. Yeah, fine. The only time. Yes, I agree. Project X was he cool in that? You know, war games. War games. Yeah, war games is cool. But it was before Ferris Bueller. So yeah. 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 But uh, a lot of other, yeah, but so quotable. And of course, I know the Jeffrey Jones thing, but come, I mean, you're going to forgive Amadeus, then you got to forgive this. You know, he's, he's good in it. Uh, Jennifer Gray is great in it. Uh, and Charlie Sheen, that Charlie Sheen moment is fun. So all of it throughout, just uh, just one of my favorite films ever from the 80s. And I love coming back to it every once in a while. Uh, that is my Back to the Future. I know how people uh, watch Back to the Future like religiously. Ferris Bueller is my Back to the Future. That's the film sure. I connected with, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, all right, number eight. Uh, is uh, Hateful Eight. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the dialogue in this movie. It's one of my favorite. Oh, it's a Western, so obviously I'm going to give it a little more credence for me because I love Western so much. But the dialogue is fantastic in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really enjoy the back and forth with everybody. Uh, and the characters are so distinctly unique without being caricatures. So I thought they did a really good job with that. Jennifer Jason Lee is fucking fantastic in this movie as the character that she plays. And then Kurt Russell, mm-hmm. what he goes through. The only problem with the movie at times is the Channing Tatum stuff feels just a little bit like he doesn't belong in a Tarantino movie. But pretty much everyone else holds their own. And it's a lot of fun to watch the movie and the different uh, stakes that happen throughout it. And then who's yeah. in power, who's not in power, who's dominant, who's submissive as the situations change. Uh, and certainly Sam Jackson with that Bruce Stern story. Hoo-hoo, man. That oh. part is awesome. It is, right? <laughs> For me, it did make my list because I want to lop off the first 45 minutes and get to them once they're all there. Mm. As opposed to the slow build. So I can't say that about any other of my movies. After that, I think it's awesome. Okay. But now that I've seen it the once... Just like I wish it had and other movies like Interstellar, which brought up for the Nolan. Yeah. I'm happy to fast forward because it doesn't for whatever reason, hateful eight is I feel like I have to start at the beginning to watch mm-hmm. as opposed to fast forwarding past. And so right. I don't watch it as often as I will the other Tarantinos. Ah, uh, okay. All yeah, right. I, I joined the why. score. 
I yeah, enjoy the great. score. And your Morricone is fantastic score in that in that too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I love the opening intro of the wagon. Now had they shown up with the wagon and everybody else was there? Yeah. Awesome, I'm on board. Or maybe just one other person then shows up afterwards, but it's just the constant procession and the door getting swung open by the wind, and then we have to hammer it shut. It's the it's like a play at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is fine. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it's fine. Well, it's not what I was hoping for. Tarantino's one of those guys where you have expectations, at least I do. Yeah. But then other movies like Once Upon a Time, I think that thing is flawless. Legitimately flawless. Oh wow. Okay. And I, I will happily watch that. And I know that uh, a lot of people find fault with various areas. It doesn't bother me yeah. in the slightest. Okay. All right. Fair. I know. I just, I just have a lot of fun with this one. I have a lot of fun with this one. I have a lot of fun going back to it. Uh, and I enjoy the whole opening in the, in the thing because it lays the groundwork for what you're going to see once they get inside. Their relationships – yeah. Who's uh, who's the braggadocio? Who's the villain? You know what she the punch she can take in the in the uh, in the um, carriage. Uh, Goggins coming in, all of that, and it's a kind of mini precursor for what you're going to see once you get inside the actual cabin with uh, Bashir and Tim Roth and Michael Madsen and all those people. You know, so I, I love it for that. But yeah, hey, you're not wrong. I, I, <laughs> I would assume most people have your opinion, not mine. Maybe I don't know. What's your uh, what's your seven? Uh, my seven is Dazed and Confused. Oh, man. Yeah, okay. Go ahead, man. Uh, I've seen it a lot of times. A lot. Well, when it came out on DVD, I was, you know, 14 or 15, and we'd watch it at my buddy's house and just kind of hang out and do stuff and was on all the time. Uh, and I can't think of a single list that's ever made because I doubt we've done Link, Link Later. Oh, yeah. So I don't think that we have, but it doesn't. Sound like no, I don't think we've done Linklater before. No, I'd be I'd be surprised if we ever did that. Yeah, maybe maybe some sort of teenage high school theme, something or other. But even right. then, like I don't know when we talked about it. It's a huge ensemble cast. Introduction to Matthew McConaughey and to some yeah. degree, I guess Ben Affleck. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Cole Hauser, Parker Posey. Mm-hmm. Uh, shoot. Uh, Joey Lauren Adams, right? Joey Lauren Adams. Yeah. Um, Rory Cochran. Um, nice pull. Uh, who was great in Black Mass, by the way. He's great in Black Mass. Um, Shit. Because there were a few guys that I never saw again. Okay. Um, The one guy that's wearing overalls. He had a lot of charisma. I don't know why he didn't work again. Did they have, Is Ethan Suple in it? The heavyset dude from uh, no. My Name is Earl. Is he in that? No. no? Okay. He's not in Um. And you just say Slater, the guy that's in uh, Black Mass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Rory Cochran. Yeah, yeah. Rory Cochran, that's right. He's good. Uh, uh, Mila Jovovich is in this? Oh, yeah. Mila Jovovich. She's got a small part. She's like the, yeah. the stoner weed dealer's girlfriend. His oh. parents should be leaving for the weekend, but they don't. <laughs> Harshing people's buzzes, baby. Moon Tower. Party at the Moon Tower. Uh, uh, Jason London is in this. Uh, him and his brother. Okay. One of them. Was in oh yeah, Adam, uh, oh, shoot. oh yeah, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, Goldberg, Adam Goldberg, Dick Goldberg, and the Nebbish guy that is his best friend. He yeah, did a bunch Anthony, of Broadway stuff. Anthony Rapp. Yeah, he's Anthony in the Rapp. Star Trek Discovery. There you go. Uh, Parker Posey, you already said right. So uh-huh. those are the big ones, really, with McConaughey. Yeah, those are pretty much it, man. Those are a lot of choices. But I mean, a huge oh. ensemble cast. Go ahead. 
shit, Renee Zellweger apparently is in it as an uncredited. She's the girl in the blue truck. I'll be damned. Okay. Wow. I didn't remember the blue truck. Well, it's in the beginning when they go to haze the girls and they give them all like uh, pacifiers and they end up pouring cereal and milk on them and shit. Oh, shit. So she's one of the ones that says that has a shirt that says seniors and she's pouring mustard on one of the girls. Wow. Yeah. So there's a bunch of I mean, they were all like screaming and yelling and stuff at the soon to be freshmen, the eighth graders. Right. But I did not I did not know she was in that. Dude, what's it like to fucking be an extra on the first film and then like you've got Oscars? Yeah, that's incredible, man. I know. It can happen. Just, look at that cast. And the best yeah, part of it is, is, yeah. is he manages to juggle all of them. The unfortunate thing is the kid that plays Mitch is pretty terrible. Yeah. And you're with Mitch a lot, but everybody else shines so much that it doesn't bother me upon rewatchings. Now I just kind of laugh at all this too because he he pinches the bridge of his nose. All oh, yeah. So there's one scene where they're outside of, it's like a bowling alley, pool hall, something or other. There's a yeah. big cinder block wall that's been painted. And he's talking to this girl and he just keeps pinching the bridge of his nose. He does like four times <laughs> in three sentences of speech. Yeah. Like it's, she says something to him like, oh, your sister's looking for you. He's like, oh, God. Oh, this <laughs> looking for me. She's just got to let me like grow up type of. And you're like, this is so bad. But then. That's right around the introduction to McConaughey's character. Yeah, he's out there and having a beer. I remember just that. Just awesome. And so many different. Yeah, London is in that scene. Yeah. Uh, but it's never, it doesn't come up. And I, it's one of those weird ones I've seen an inordinate number of times. Yeah. Cole Hauser's pretty intimidating in the movie as well. Yeah. Him, the black guy with the soul pole. That's the name of his stick. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Affleck is the biggest douche. Yeah, truth. Um, those, those little baby teeth really get used oh in man. a positive way in that film. Man, yeah, it really helps sell the fact that he it hasn't does. matured yeah. because he's the senior that gets held back. Yeah. So it's like, oh, it's second time for this guy. And everybody's kind of cracking on him because <laughs> he was too stupid to graduate. Uh, hell of a cast. Hell of a cast. Of a cast. Uh, uh, all so right, that's your number seven. seven. What's your six? My six is Groundhog Day. Oh, uh, that's a punt. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just a slight punt, but a punt. Um, then my number seven is Dr. Strangelove. It's, I know I personally put it on like four or five lists. Fair enough. Fair so enough. I kept, it would have made top top five for sure. I don't know where. Okay. So it'll make the okay. control list somewhere. Okay. Yeah, Dr. Strangelove, one of my favorites. Uh, it's not one of my favorite Kubricks, but certainly one of my, I'm sorry, how can I say this correctly? It's not one of my favorite comedies, but it's one of my favorite Kubricks because I don't really laugh that much when I watch this movie. It's more uh, of a statement about how fucking nutty people are around nuclear weapons or about weapons in general mm-hmm. and how nutty people are in politics, how nutty people are when they deal with uh, uh, situations like this, heightened situations, and how military guys who are a little too cock strong and not, and not brain heavy uh, will uh, you know, just kind of take any excuse to get into a battle because they're working out something personal from their lives when they were kids. So that kind of stuff you see with George C. Scott's character. There's, there is, I mean, the Peter Seller stuff when he's playing the British, the highfalutin British officer, that's where I probably find myself smiling the most okay. uh, because it's such a juxtaposition to Sterling Hayden's like hard ass military dude. Yeah. American well, they're military. taking fire. Yeah, exactly. The whole time. Still, it's almost like, you know, one lump of sugar or two lumps yeah, type right. attitude. He's very you know, laissez faire about the uh, situation at hand. The bullets above us. Yeah. And, um, but of course, when, 
you know, when he comes in as Dr. Strange, love is great, but Sellers also, uh, as the president, it's pretty funny when he says, like, you know, there's no fighting in the war room, but all of that. But yeah, it's, it's just a classic film. And the fact that it was 1962 and he was already ahead of the idea of what, how nuclear weapons were going to influence the cold war. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Um, I mean, George C. Scott, who knew George C. Scott had this in him? Yeah. It's It's kind of one of those humor. Yeah. Obviously, this movie and a lot of his work predates the two of us. So you come right. back to Good it point. in waves. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw Spartacus, I think, first of his. Okay. Type of, I saw more of that vein. And eventually, once I got older, I saw Dr. Strangelove, which is good because I think you need to be a little bit older to appreciate it. Yes, true. Just to understand the, the discussions they're having. Um, and to see George, he's kind of like, man, why didn't he do this more? Right. He, he plays a great, he's not quite a straight man. He's, he's clearly going for laughs, but he's not hamming for laughs. Right. Right. Uh, when, you know, Spartacus, I'm sorry, that's Kirk Douglas. Uh, Patton, I think, was the first thing I saw George C. Scott. Right, right. Yeah, it's at Spartacus, but that's Kirk Douglas. I was going to, yeah. I was yeah, I did that apparently last week or two weeks ago with The Prestige last week. Oh, okay. I said Tom Hardy. Oh. And now I can visualize Tom Hardy instead of Christian Bale. I can visualize both doing the part now in my head, which is right. so strange. Uh, yeah, it happens, you know. <laughs> I'm getting older. I have a dream. getting older. I get it, dude. Trust me. I fucking get it. Uh, but yeah, it would have it would have definitely made my list. It's one of those, but I know that I personally put it on five, six lists. So yeah. it's like, I, let's try and talk about something we rarely, if ever, talk about. So it's great true. choice. All right. Then my number six uh, is uh, United 93. The, okay. Uh, Not on my list. Yeah. The 9-11 film uh, from Paul Greengrass. Um, I mean, that film is just, that's an emotional trauma that you're putting yourself through when you watch the film. It's so realistic. It's so on point. It's uh, a company, a comp- compilation of unusual actors uh, that you wouldn't normally see lead a film. I mean, David Rash is one of the big, he's fucking sledgehammer from the eighties. He's one of the big people in this movie. One of the emotional anchors of this movie, the guy who played uh, with the, um, he had the uh, uh, mental health thing in Boston Legal. He had the Tourette's or whatever it was. He's uh, great in this movie as well. Um, so many fantastic people in this film anchor the actual real passengers dealing with uh, them finding out what's happening on 9-11, the progression of that kind of madness, seeing their hitch, their people who are uh, hijacking the plane, and then fighting back. And, dude, yeah. it is so painful because the film is done so well that every time you watch it, you hope they're going to win. You hope they're going to get out of this thing. They're going to find a way to retake the plane and land it safely. And everybody's going to get off. And that's not what happened. And so everything that leads up to their decision to do what they're going to do is so painful, man, to watch. I I cry every time I watch it. because It's just like that, that, that event is so uh, uh, emotional to remember and go back through even watching the documentary. Sometimes I'll just start uh, getting really teary eyed watching people take their own lives from the trade center and stuff, you know? And so when you're watching it here in the film, like they fought back, they fought back and uh, there's records of them doing this. There's phone uh, messages. They left their loved ones. They go through all of that as this thing progresses and gets worse and worse. And you see the mania of the hijackers as well, Mm -hmm. as they realize that they're being told to crash this thing into a building that a lot of them didn't know they were signing up to die in these in these hijacking attempts in 9-11 and only discovered it while they were on the plane. 
And so all of that gets uh, covered in the film as well before the tragic ending. But it's such a incredibly well done movie, uh, and people people don't talk about it enough. And maybe because they're afraid to go back and rewatch it over and over again. But it is a it's an incredible film, man. Incredible film. I never saw it. Oh, really? Okay. I li- I lived. Sure you told like, me that did? before. I just forgot. Yeah, I yeah. have. You, I I think it's come up like one time ever. Yeah. And uh, I said the same thing, you know, I lived it just like you did. And yeah. I've watched the documentaries and that stuff. And that yeah. to me is more probably real. Whereas something like Elephant, I was long since out of high school when Columbine happened. Oh, yeah. Good point. yeah. So I was more detached from that. Whereas the visceral nature of I watched the second plane hit the towers. Yeah. I was watching in real time. Right. Um, I had walked to class in college and everybody was watching TVs in the classrooms or were in their classes. and. Right. Uh, I already knew it was happening because uh, I woke up to the news, but then still went to class because I had no other, you know, we could have gotten an email at that point, but I don't even know if that happened later in that day. I couldn't tell you because the rest of the day is a blur. And I just watched just like you did. I watched the news for like three days straight. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just sat on the couch and was like, what, what else? What's going on? What is this? What is. Well, I think I that's know. why I like the movie because they're highlighting the plane that crashed into the field in Pennsylvania. So there's not much known about that. So like you said, we've seen the first plane. We saw the second plane. But seeing that plane uh, get a little bit of a a film treatment, I thought was a great way to honor the people that died on that plane and fought back to try to take over that plane. Um, And if the hijacker hadn't like, you know, kind of jammed the steering column down so the plane would start heading down because they were being attacked, because the people on the plane were winning. They were they were subduing these hijackers, and they were close to subduing the person flying the plane. Uh, and in a final act to to save himself from being uh, having being killed, he jammed the plane down and killed himself anyway by his own volition and everybody else. So um, I love that. Yeah, I love that there was a fight there to the end. Um, anyway, so all right, well, let's take a bit of a break, right, Matt? We're going into our top fives. Uh, let's yes, take a sir. bit of a break, and we'll be uh, right back after we hear from our sponsors. Um, all right, let's get into your top five, man. Top five films that happen over in a day or over a twenty-four hour period. Yes, five is frailty. Oh, the Bill Paxton one. Yep. Nice, man. Go ahead, please. It's all flashbacks, and it's it's you know. It happens over the course of one night, I believe. Shows yeah. up to the FBI offense near the end of the day. Uh, McConaughey does, and Powers Booth is the agent in charge, and he sits down with him, and basically it's McConaughey through flashback telling the story of what's going on right. and then the ultimate conclusion of it. And the movie is – nobody saw it when it came out, and right. it is uh, – I think it's, it is awesome. The twist on the end, I did not see coming. <laughs> Uh, upon the first watching, and now I appreciate that that's what the twist is. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's awesome, and I think people should see it, and I don't want to say much more about it uh, to ruin their potential experience, so go see Frailty. Yeah, yeah. It's directed by, is it directed by Paxton? I thought it was directed by... I think so. Yeah. So it's I believe so. Fantastic, yeah. All right, all right. I've, I've only seen it once. Uh, I can't say much, too much about it other than I echo Matt's sentiments. Uh, don't let it get ruined for you like he ruined source code, so go and watch that one. <laughs> A uh, little twist. They both end, uh, you know, at the FBI office, there is another iron lung. Does that play into it? I don't know. You'll have to watch to find out. Good. I like that. I like you deflecting. All right. So number five for me is the punt from earlier from Matt. It's a Groundhog Day. Just a slight punt. Um, but yeah, how could you not put this on your list? I mean, it's just a classic, classic comedy. Yeah. Doesn't age 
so damn good. Uh, Murray is great. Everybody around it is great. And uh, I don't know what you can say. It's just such a fun, fun movie that makes you smile the whole time. It's so yeah. relaxed in what it's doing. When the, the idea of infinity, in essence. Yeah. And how do you deal with that? Because as far as you know, this is now your existence. It's like Dr. Strange with Dormammu. It's like, we can keep playing this game, man. We yeah. Can keep playing this game. I would just drive you mad because there's nothing you can do about it. But you keep a previous memory of what we just did, even though now time is technically not elapsed type of thing. Right. right. And Murray has that in this, just reliving the same day and Punxsutawney over and over and over again. He's a weatherman. He's not happy with his life. Yeah. Uh, and what what do you choose to do then with all that time? Yeah. He betters himself. He tries to help others. He feels that it's utterly futile at times. He yeah. springs back to doing it. It's like the full gamut of human emotions in a comedy. But it, it doesn't make me laugh so much as it makes me smile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I agree. Yeah, exactly. It's it's. I mean, there's not really any fall down laughing no. moments. Tobolowski's... Um, what needle nose ned ned ryerson ryerson hey just so over the top that's it's such a great acting performance (laughs) hey phil yeah just to pull it off the same every time the same annoying (laughs) uh it's such a plum i think he did an a a documentary about himself called you've seen me in dot 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 and so i don't know he had that podcast for a while did he really we had a podcast oh wow i didn't know that okay because he's worked with oh yeah everybody yeah yeah and apparently he's an excellent storyteller. So mm-hmm. you have people on and they would just talk and, uh, you know, it seemed like he was kind of uh, a raconteur on some level. He teaches uh, around L.A. as well. Like he'll do oh, really? little like uh, what do you call those things? Like little symposiums or whatever. Like you go for the day. Seminar? Yeah, seminar. He'll do a seminar for a whole day so you can learn from him. You pay like I think it's 400 and you get the whole day and you just kind of he goes through things and teaches you and all that kind of. And so for a character actor, if you want to see yourself as a character actor, it must be gold to be trained by him and work with him and get some yeah. nuggets about what you can do when you go to audition or you go to try to book something um, or even uh, show up on set, you know, and try to act the role gives you great stuff. So uh, fantastic. Dude, stuff. Yeah. How intimidating was the first time you booked a job and you were on set? <sighs> I had never been on a set. Yeah. And I booked a commercial and I walked on and you just kind of act, act like, you know, you're, you're Gene Wilder in Silver Street. Like, I'm bad. <laughs> yeah. Giving yourself like a false confidence. Like, yeah, this is my trailer. It's got my name on it written on masking tape right there. So first thing I ever, but yeah, it was Charmed. Okay. First thing I ever booked on camera was Charmed. One episode of Charmed. And I remember, because I've been out here for two years, then booked the fucking thing. So booked that, booking that one day. And I remember that I sat in that trailer for it ever dude because they kept getting delayed i was my, sure. i was supposed to shoot at 12 i didn't shoot till 4 30 or 5 o'clock just as they were wrapping up and it was literally two lines or two or three lines you know and i was working with uh rose mcgowan and Alyssa milano and this guy ivan sergi and you know they brought in a double or stand in for me for that because i they're like well you've got the lines you don't have to stand in for yourself so it was really weird yeah uh, but in the to- the whole time in the trailer, though, Matt, I'm like oh, going over the lines, going over the lines, going over the lines, going over. And then eventually you just get bored. Then you get mad, and then you relax. You're like, okay, now mm-hmm. I'm ready to go shoot. You know, you go through the whole process. It sucks. When you, yeah, the first one I booked, I, they were shooting two commercials in one day, and we were the afternoon, but I still had to be there. Oh, in the morning. Oh shit. 
Yeah. So I had to go and show up and uh, they shaved me and put my makeup on and gave me wardrobe. And then I just kind of sat around yeah. with my makeup on and hair done with no wardrobe, just sat in my trailer for like five hours. It's the worst. So dumb, but getting paid. I didn't care. Yeah, true, true. So but, I was happy. Yeah. That's when I booked my last job and I was sitting in that trailer and I just was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And just sitting in it and going like, I hate this. I hate sitting around waiting to say some fake lines in front of a camera. It's mm-hmm. not my jam. And I think if I was the lead in something, that's different because you have like creative control and you can have conversations and you can have uh, decisions about your character. I hated how much control I didn't have in the situation. And so in the end, I'm like, this is a waste of time to sit here all day and crafty and all that bullshit and worry about saying lines or memorizing them. Make sure you got it right. I just, I remember that day. I just was like, yeah, I'm never going to do this again. I'm good. You know? And it's, and I've never looked back. I have not regretted it once, you know, dude, rare thing. One time. Um, so I only did commercials. I never shot any like TV or film or I just did commercials and I did a capital one commercial and they were shooting three simultaneously. So they would just kind of block certain it was the same director right but we did it out of a house in pasadena and it was uh, all set during this kid's birthday party so they just set up different scenes and sometimes you were in so i was in one of the commercials right but we were there for so long there's so many people ended up hanging out with a bunch of actors and one of the grips told me that an actress on the commercial whichever was one of the other two that i wasn't on Mm -hmm. was being the worst the worst like prima donna on a commercial when you're like it's a commercial guy yeah and I was getting my makeup done because they called me to go and uh, do mine. And we we're sitting there talking. And I was in there, and uh, the the uh, makeup lady brought it up. And so I started talking to her about it. And we were like, "Oh yeah, that's right. I heard it from one of the grips. I don't know his name because I don't know anybody's names on this. Even if yeah. you asked him, I'm terrible with names. I do, but just like I, there's 30 people here that I've never met before. Right. Um, so we were talking about it, and then come to find out that that girl was next after me. So then the makeup artist told her that I was the one that told the makeup oh, artist. Oh, shit. So she came looking for me later oh, on. I, was like, I heard it from somebody else, but if you're being a bitch out there, yeah, probably a bunch of people are talking about it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't tell her who did it. I was just like, trust me, I heard it from somebody else, but I did say it. I was talking about it with her. I'm not going to fucking lie to you. Yeah. I didn't start it because I'm not, I wasn't working on your commercial. Yeah. So I don't know. It's weird, man. I mean, like the, 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 the last time was the film, the independent film I did with my friend, Andre Gordon, who was directing it. And Rob Gronkowski's in the movie with his brother and uh-huh. Armando Sante are in there. But like, we had a couple of people who came on. Mindy Robinson is, um, Randy Couture's girlfriend, right? She didn't put on any airs. She had worked on hundreds of films, you know, and you know, some yeah. low rent, some horror, whatever, low rent horror stuff, but still booked consistently, n- never had an agent. She's a woman who works. She consistently works and she's very driven to succeed. Then we had Jillian Murray on the set and she was just, I don't my name, I don't give a fuck. She was absolutely terrible to deal with. Dealt like she had to have her own green room. She forced Andre to set up a separate green room on an independent film where we're all making a hundred bucks a day, set mm-hmm. up a separate green room so she could sit there and meditate and focus on her lines and blah, 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 blah. We're all in the same green room 
but you know, uh, little Princess Diana has to be on her fucking own. And I just, I was, we were just tearing. What up. else has she been in? She's been in a number of films. She was part of that uh, controversial fappening. Some of her uh, videos or pictures got released. So many. Hacked. It happened to so many actors. Yeah, you know, but she Jennifer Lawrence was the one I remember from that. Oh, right, right, right. But she hasn't done a lot of things. But in her mind, you know, she thought she was queen shit. And she, I like, acted all around uh, and it was just so frustrating and look she's incredibly attractive you're not going to deny that but sure. what, she's been on code black she's been she was never on that it. for a while never heard of it yeah but look at these other films you know there's not much that she's been on that people are talking about still uh in our lives so it just was so uh, frustrating to see her act that way yeah the, the film's called you can't have it so i'm in it i'm terrible in it by the way and that's another reason why i stopped doing it and um but like it's just like it's so Armand Asante didn't do any of that shit. Armand Asante, when he showed up, hung out with us and uh, did his stuff and then rolled on out, you know? And so it was great. Oh. But she was like, oh, I got a bump, bump, bump. Because most of the budget went to Armand Asante and he knew it. So like, <laughs> Probably. I show up for one or two days shooting and I'm making, it's not as good as I used to make, but I'm still making a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. It's kind of hard to be an asshole. Some people still will, but it's yeah. kind of hard to be an asshole. They'll find a way. I asked Andre about that. I had no idea. There's like this group of actors, box of actors, you could say, who if you meet their quota, they yeah. will do your movie. Just show up. <laughs> We're shocked at how many. And Armand is one of them. And Armand to me is like, I revere Armand. He's, but, he's, he's been in A-list movies, you know. At this point, Bruce Willis but, is that. Yeah, it seems like, right? If you meet Bruce Willis's quote, Nick Cage is definitely that. Yeah, yeah. It's mine. my quote. I'll do whatever the fuck he wants. Those are the high-end version, though. Then there's uh, nothing against Armand, but he doesn't have the resume. Sure, of course not. Of course not. Uh, But But the difference between Nick Cage and Bruce is Bruce will come in and phone it in. Nick Cage, I don't think I've ever seen Nick Cage on in the performance. He is still trying. Yes, and that speaks volumes about who he is as a person. And I of those crap movies... I have watched more of them, whereas Willis's yeah. all look so anonymous to me, I don't tune into any of them. Yeah. yeah where yeah. Nick Cage would be like, all right, what kind of weird are you going to be in this? Interesting. Um, even <laughs> okay. if I think the movie sucks, it's interesting. Like, it's a hell of a choice. <laughs> you certainly made a choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I appreciate yeah. that about you. I was still – like, there's a bunch of bad movies on his resume that I kind of still like because you can tell he's trying. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, a little bit of a diatribe. What's your number four? Four is the Raid Redemption. Oh, nice. Good choice, man. Look at you. All I right. don't know if it's ever technically made. We've brought it, we talked about it. We've I, talked about it. Yeah. I don't know if it actually come up on a list, but yeah, yeah. All right. Um you know, heard the the burbling, hey, like from a few few of my friends if they saw it early and they're like, Hey, I think you'll really like this. You should go see it when it comes out. Yeah. And I saw it in the theater with like five other people. Uh, right when it came out because nobody saw that in the theater stateside. I think it did much better once it got to DVD and stuff and streaming. Uh, hence getting a sequel several right. years down the line, but eventually getting that sequel uh, and just being utterly blown away. I, to this day, I do not know why that villain has not popped up in any other film that I've seen. Oh, okay. Where the lead, he's, he was in Force Awakens. He's like, he's managed to get some work and he's good. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, one of the other like uh, henchman villains who's uh, the shorter guy with the bald hair. It's, it's a, um, he has 
for lack of a better, like oh. more pinched face. Right, right, right. Uh, he's he's gotten some work. I think he was in Force Awakens as well, but I've seen him pop up in other things. Where the villain in this, okay, you, you could tell me like uh, he could pull off Pablo Escobar, right? Oh wow, interesting. Okay, and he could pull off like that type of right. My the essence of who I am is intimidating enough, like a right. Latino kingpin. Fair if we did that in the dark, uh, uh, Daredevil kind of series, right? Uh, I totally would buy him. I thought he. I was hoping he would work more, mm-hmm. but it's such a great premise that unfortunately, like Dread did the same thing three months later. Yeah, and I think it hurt Dread's overall appeal to some people because they're like, "Yeah, I just saw this." Yeah, yeah. Uh, but still, I love Dread too, and almost made my list. That would have made more than likely my other list. Yeah, Dread was uh, Dread was on the on the uh, top in the nine or ten area for me when I was negotiating this list, and eventually I thought of more movies, and then eventually moved Dread down. Uh, but I hated taking it off the list. I hated taking it off the list. But we have talked about Dread a number of times. We have. We have. So so that's why I was like, well, the raid, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's come up once. We've talked about it tangentially. Yeah. yeah. And um, I know it came up on a topic thunder on a question because it was a response I gave of uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so it's awesome. Anyway, that's my four. What do you got? Respect it. Uh, my four is training day. We've talked about it a million yep. times, I'm sure. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Denzel Washington film, Cliff Curtis. Ethan Hawke, Scott Glenn, so many great people in this movie. It's been a while since I've seen it, and then I saw like an hour of it the other day randomly because mm-hmm. uh, I was it was on one of the pay channels. I can't remember which one. I was flipping channels. I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. So I sat and watched it. And I was like, yeah, this thing is still like electric. It's electric to watch. Fuqua's not always the best director, but when yeah. he gets it right, you're like, this is fucking great. And so that hour I watched of him and Denzel just being like what he does in that whole film. Everything is just like you're riding the lightning and all the all the wrong ways that you want to ride the lightning. Okay. Right? Because at any moment it's gonna hit you or any moment it's gonna electrify you and kill you. So he's just like, you know, scary. Yeah, unless it's on, I will never put that on. Really? Oh, okay. You didn't like the film was, that much? I thought it was fine. Okay. All right. Um strong statement. Strong statement. I that was an honorary Oscar for all the amazing work that you didn't win it for before, and you probably should have. Yeah, like Malcolm X. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just like Pacino's for Scent of a Woman. You should have won this That's, I agree years that. ago. A thousand percent. Yeah. <laughs> Denzel, to me, is like, he. Uh, there's two or three films before this that easily should have won him the Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so when, when everybody, he got the hype and he won it for, and I was like, yeah, I like the movie, uh, you know. It's it's good, right? Just never really grabbed me like that. I guess that's fascinating because it's like everyone love uh, everyone seems to love that movie, but for you it doesn't really work. Huh. Would you I still get the work? If it doesn't have the magic that everybody else ascribes to it of being like, oh, the, and now an example film within that genre, so to speak, right. corrupt cop type of thing. And uh, yeah, would you argue that that was Pacino's last shot at winning a Best Actor? No, Irishman. Oh, that was was that supporting? I think it was supporting. Yeah. Okay. No, I think he still got it in him. Nineteen ninety three is when that came out. Uh, Heat could have won for Heat. Parts he not was, big enough for a lead. Yeah. All right, fair. He was really good in City Hall. I like City Hall. People don't talk about that movie enough. Insomnia. He's really good in Insomnia. Yeah. So. Certainly, there were other things he could have won for. I, I imagine. Um, 
yeah, probably other things he could have won for instead of this film. Um, because the here are the people he's up against. Robert Downey Jr. and Chaplin. Clint yeah. Eastwood and Unforgiven, and I absolutely give it to Clint Eastwood over Pacino for that. Exactly. 100%. Steven, I even, might even give it to Stephen Ray for The Crying Game. He was great in The Crying Game. And, and Denzel Washington. It's the same year for Malcolm X. I'll be goddamned. Should have okay. won it. It's tough to go against Unforgiven because that, that movie was the tour de force of that year. Yeah, it was. It was. But the, he's the only, I think, genuinely viable rival in that mix. Yeah. Pacino's also nominated for Best Supporting for Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. That I would have given to him. Well, who else was he up against? Hackman for Unforgiven. That's tough. That's tough. <sighs> Hackman's part is bigger. It is. Because Pacino's is, it's, he's a, a small part of a large, relatively large ensemble. He's an ensemble. He's an ensemble piece. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know how you pick him out. I mean, Alan Arkin is every bit as good. Ed Harris is every bit as good. Yeah. Uh, Jack Lemmon is every bit as good, for God's sakes. Um, and just it, to show truly, the, the smallest part that had the biggest punch was Baldwin. Right. Yes, absolutely. He should have been nominated, for God's sake. Could have been, for just for that, I mean, that single speech alone. <laughs> it wasn't in the play that they made for the movie, and now... Having never seen the play, I can't imagine existing without it because it's exactly what you need in that moment. Yep. When I directed the play, it was one of the hardest things in the world was to try to not put that speech in the play. Like just try to figure out how to make the play as electric as that speech yeah. without having that speech. I don't think uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. I've um, never seen it though. So, you know, what yeah. do I know? But <laughs> well, we, have, we host a show about movies. I think you well, know. I'm saying, as far as a play, what will make it more effective play if you can oh. get the energy and tension back because I've never seen it without it. So to me, it's like, well, no, because that really sets up a lot more of the character dynamics and shows you how, how much of a loser Jack Lemmon's character is. And yeah, yeah. So later on, when he thinks he has a good lead, that's ultimately bullshit. It, I think that has more weight to it than that's fair. That's uh, fair. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we're going tangents today. Uh, where are we at? Uh, oh yeah. So anyway, training day. Boom. All right. So what's your number three? Three is Scrooged. Oh, you bastard. That's a great fucking choice. I fucking love it. Only, uh, only comes up when we managed to figure out a Christmas show. But of the Christmas carols, the George C. Scott I have the most fondness for because it's one my mom loves. We watch it so much as a kid. And I like the, the Disney one as well. Yeah. But the Scrooge one is I, I can watch that in July. Like to me, that is independent of the season. It's just a really good movie. I do laugh at Bill Murray at several different points in yeah. that, uh, just when the moment becomes so much and then instantly snaps back to reality and yeah. he's in this weird situation, which in, in other movies isn't as effective. And in this one, they just repeatedly do it over and over again. Bobcat is awesome in it. You could say, uh, what's his name? Feeling hot, hot, hot. Duster Poindexter. Oh, yeah. Buster Poindexter. Yeah. As the cabbie. As the cabbie. Yeah, he was great. great. And I'm glad his part wasn't bigger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just the right amount Perfect of absurdity amount. Yeah. of Buster Poindexter. What are we talking about here? Ah, yeah, he's great. He's great. Yeah. And, you know, maybe the only good acting that specific Murray brother ever did. Brian Doyle? Sense. Oh, no, Peter or whatever's in it, Chris yeah. or whatever. is one of those Murray. It's the guy that did go on to Mad Men, and it wasn't Brian Doyle who's been right. working consistently has worked. It's right. the other one whose name I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wasn't he in that Moving Violations movie? 
no clue. If you pulled that, good for you. I'll send a text to Christian. Make sure that's on your next <laughs> John Murray. It is him and Scrooge. Yes, same guy, John Murray. I remember. The reason I remember, dude, it's stupid in life, right? Some, some memories stick with you for no fucking reason. But for whatever reason, I remember going to see that at the local Dale City Cinema. We grew up in Dale City, Virginia. Going by myself, 15, 14 years old, going to see that movie. Uh, and there's a funny little sex scene because the the gravity disappears uh, in some wherever room they're in, and they have this weird kind of sex scene. And for whatever reason, it's stuck in my mind. Plus, he's Bill Murray's brother, uh, and he wasn't bad in the movie. It just was one of those movies that didn't catch on with anybody. So, I I, I keep waiting for the day I get asked that one as a five pointer. It would be fantastic. Uh, anyway. I doubt that day is coming, unfortunately. I doubt, you, I doubt anybody. I don't any of those 20-year-olds writing the questions now have ever even heard of moving violations. Um, all right. Uh, where are we at? That was your number three for Scrooge. My three. All right. My three is Die Hard. What can I tell you? It's it was hard. the toughest omission. But, yes, that, that yeah. definitely made my list yeah. of the real honest to gods. Yeah. Uh, it's Die Hard. That, I didn't want to do that where we both go, it's Die Hard. Yeah, it's incredible over what what they're able to do in one day. So much happens in that film. One day into the night, so much happens in that film. Because mm. uh, you could argue it's, what, over a six-hour period. It's not really that long because he shows up late to the party, and then everything almost kind of pops off immediately after he shows up. Yeah. Uh, it's not a short but the, the sun is still up when he gets there. Is it? Okay. Okay. When he's in the limo? Yes. Okay. Okay. Which in Los Angeles, that time of year, the latest that you're going to have the sun is 5 o'clock. Oh, so he was, I see. At night. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still over the course of a day, Seven which I, I think, depending on where it lands, ultimately. But yeah. it's sometime afternoon, sometime before 5. I would guess 4 to 5 range, somewhere in there. Yeah. And then it just goes straight into the night. So, yeah, it could be less than 12 hours. You know, it was nominated for four Oscars. I didn't know that. Best sound, best film editing, best effects, best visual effects. Interesting. I mean, straight out of nowhere. Yeah, right? Became, it, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. A guy who's leading a movie for the first time. Yep. Alan Rickman, never been in a movie himself. Yep. This is his first part. Right. To make an all-time action movie that transcends the normal, like, you got you to be into action movies to like this action movie, action right. movie. You could argue that William Atherton, who plays the asshole reporter, and Bonnie Bedelia were the most experienced actors on film of this entire cast of actors before the film begins. The the blonde-haired lead henchman is a fucking dancer. Yeah, good enough. Yeah. He's a dancer. Right. Right. He is. He's a ballerina. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's a crazy cast. That when you look at it like that, all these disparate parts and unknowns, and it in no way does it look like it, it looks like it was done with the most steady and professional of hands. Yeah. Of people that have been doing action films and been churning out like blockbusters. Uh, you know yeah, what I found my, out? Oh, go sorry. Go ahead, man. Sorry. No, no, sorry. You know what I found out? This little piece of trivia. I know you hate the Blues Brothers. Do you remember the scene where Ray Charles shoots the gun at the wall and the little kid's trying to steal the guitar and then runs off? A kinda. Okay. All right. That kid is Argyle from Die Hard. The fucking limo driver. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> I found that out. That's a cool little piece of 
Yeah, just um, randomly. And I was like, holy shit. And then when I saw it again the other day, uh, Blues Brothers, I, I, when he turns around and looks at Ray Charles, I was like, oh, my God. How did I not see it before? It's totally his face just in a younger form. So yeah. Uh, anyway. It's great. Like, well, when I watched, uh, I believe it was Gandhi, and you saw yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis. Right. And I didn't know he was in it. All of a sudden, you're like, who's this? What the f- like it's so strange because I'm used to Day Lewis as the finished product of right. <laughs> eternally nuanced actor. And it's not like he's bad, but it's it was so jarring. I didn't know it was coming. Of course, he had to work before, but I've only seen him when he's been right. Oscar caliber. Right. It was so strange. You can't walk on his side of the road. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a weird South African accent-ish yeah. type of thing. He's so mean in that film, just with the small part he has. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, anyway, all right. Die Hard 3. Everyone knows about Die Hard. What do you want to say? All right, what's your number two? Two definitely did not make your list and get ready to make a face of disgust. Okay. It is The Goonies. <laughs> Jesus. The Goonies. Number two? At least put it down at 10 or 9. For God's sakes. Uh, dude, I've seen this movie so many times, and I will continue. If it's on right now, I would watch it. Jesus, I don't get it. Okay. I love that movie. It It works. It works from second one. I can I can watch the last five minutes when they just have like the jewels on the beach and it's satisfying. Or yeah. I can watch it start at second one. It's equally satisfying. I love every single part of it. I think it's well cast, well written, well acted. It's the perfect adventure film for a kid to see and carry on throughout his life. I was the 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 right age. You were. You were. Uh roughly the same as or maybe a year or two younger than the protagonist in this. Because what year did this come out? 1988? 1989? Sure. If you say so, bud. If you say so. Something along those lines. <laughs> and they're playing like 12-year-olds, maybe 13-year-olds. Yeah. And I, I would have been 9 or 10. So yeah. it's like right in the sweet spot. And it's awesome. And I love Goonies. And uh, I never get to bring it up. And when I do, I get that look of disgust. And this made my other list. It made this list. <laughs> Uh, all right. I respect you putting it on your list, man. I, you know, I can't say one word about that. That's positive. So I don't know. I, I, I don't want to ruin anybody's feelings about the movie or get any more vitriol or hate online. Uh, it's just utterly unbelievable film that makes absolutely no sense to me, but oh, I know people love it. Kids on a treasure hunt. That's great. But the Fratellis never leave the fucking prison. You, that you stupid incompetence and lighting everything on fire and that like it's so dumb. But you got to do it's a it's a kids movie. Okay, so was ET and ET doesn't pull that bullshit. Yeah, but we also both don't like ET. That's true. That's true. But it's not because it isn't believable. That's fine. I'll I'll watch. I will choose to never watch ET again. Once again, I have no problem if Goonie goes on right now. So to me, it's completely, it's a horse of a different color. Why do you think they never did a sequel, man? To Goonies? Yeah. Goonies never say die. Great question because you could easily, or just spin it off and it's another bunch of kids on a different adventure. Yeah. 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 It's not like these kids were demanding. I can't imagine these kids were demanding, you know, trailers for God's sake. So uh, maybe they do an adult one now. Although, (sighs) do you want to work with Feldman? Yeah. That's a good point. only, I mean, a few of them don't act anymore. You Jerry know, O'Connell Sean, still does. Oh, wait, no. No, he's not. Sorry, you're wrong. Jerry, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. Jerry O'Connell's from Stand By Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chunk is no, a lawyer got, or something, right? You got Josh Brolin. 
Yes. Yeah, Chunk is an entertainment lawyer now, and actually, apparently, a pretty good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy that plays Data that was short round, I don't believe he acts anymore. Mm. The main, there's two female leads, Martha Plimpton. She works. She does work. The other uh, woman, I don't know if she works. I don't think so. Yeah, it was like Jennifer or something. But you still got Sean Astin. You got Josh Brolin. You got Martha Plimpton. You've got Pantaleano. Yeah, Joey Pants. Uh, I, I, you could do it. Carrie Green is the name of the other girl. Carrie okay. Green. Her name she, is Andy. Last thing she did was Complacent. Something called She was in uh, Summer Rental. That was her second movie right after Goonies. And Lucas. She was in Lucas. Mm-hmm. Who's the, yep. she, she's not the main girl in Lucas, right? Isn't that... Yeah, uh, kisses. Oh, shit. Is that her? But wow. after that... Totally forgot about that. I had forgotten about those. As soon as you say them, you're like, oh, yeah, I can remember scenes with her now. Yeah. But to me, she's kind of Goonies. Lucas, I, I, I liked, but I, I don't go back to watch it again. Yeah, Lucas is okay. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, her marriage in the 90s is led her to now being credited as Carrie Lee Green, and she only pops up now and then on television. All right. She graduated cum laude from uh, Vassar College with a BFA in uh, fine arts. Right. Congrats. Yeah. All right. Shout out Which, to her. <laughs> uh, what's your two? She writes screenplays. All right. Give her love. Uh, go for uh, You know what? Go for you. Do the right thing. That's my number two, of course. I mean, what am I? Sure. Well, I mean, it's right here. It's right here on the fucking shelf. Do the right thing. Uh, what a fantastic film. I think Malcolm X is still the better film in retrospect, but I think what Spike Lee pulls off in this movie in his second film or third film ever is phenomenal, stellar. Um, you know, School Days was a bit of a stumble after she's got to have it. And then you yeah. see this and you're like, holy shit, what he's able to tap into. And this is 89. So this is just before we're going to get into gangster rap, just before gangster rap is going to become the mainstream expression of what's happening uh, with police brutality, what's happening in the inner cities, all of it. Because we had, I mean, like the 80s was like, you just said Goonies, the 80s was like this delusion that everything was great. Yeah, we had the Cold War, but yuppies were around and people were making money and Reagan was president. Everybody's making money and blah, blah, blah. But there was this ugly underbelly operating underneath this like ugly, sinister uh, through line of racism occurring throughout the eighties. Of course, throughout uh, many decades of the country, but really there in 89 is where do the right thing, really exposed uh, police brutality in a mainstream movie uh, Mm -hmm. from Spike Lee. And you watch a policeman kill choke out a black man in the movie and cause all kinds of insanity and riot and all of that because people in the black community were just tired of it and that's 89 bro we're 2020 and it's still a fucking issue so it's just like crazy man and i think the film is uh, still stands the test of time great acting all around from everybody dana yellow's great Totoro's great yep. um samuel has a fun part uh uh spike's okay his Sister's better. Joey Lee's great. Um, yeah, uh, just Perez. Yeah, Giancarlo Esposito, Rosie yeah. Perez. Right, right. Martin Lawrence. It's Martin Lawrence's debut uh, on film. Okay. Um, Steve White, who's in the movie as well, and a couple other actors who are just like so great throughout the movie. And uh, I, I don't know. I just I still think it carries such a resonant power 
uh, nowadays. It's still one of the best directed films I've ever seen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we've talked about it before. So. Yeah, we have. We have. What's your number one? Uh, 12 Angry Men. Ho-ho! I didn't put it on my list. Really? If you can believe it. If you can believe it. I figured of the... We've only talked about it a couple times. We have. You're right. You're right. And uh, Shit, I should have put it on there. Maybe it does belong on there. Maybe I'll kick something else off. Oh, well. It's it's one of my prime examples when people say that movies from a, before a specific era are too slow. Like, you got to see 12 Angry Men. And now I would say, like, it's a wonderful life, even though I came to that much, much later, you know. Uh, but the pacing on it, whatnot, it still works today. Yeah. 12 Angry Men, you could speed it up a little bit, but I, th- I think the overall general pace of how each individual's opinion gets, it evolves over right. time. Right. Uh, is designed and, and, and directed well, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a fluid dynamic that reaches a, a satisfying conclusion. I think it's, yeah. you know, tons of great actors, uh, and the announcement of of some of the movies that I would see, you know, for the next two three decades thereafter. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's an awesome movie. You should go back and see it. I don't want to say too much, but to a jury trying, they're deliberating on a case, yeah. and that that gets you in the doorway. And that's the movie. Yeah. 12, and it's fantastic. It's such a, well, I think it's, um, is it Sidney Lamette? I think it's Sidney Lamette's like first movie. I think you're correct. And uh, it's like 52 or 51, something like that. And you're right. And Matt, it's so funny you say that, Matt, like m- saying that's the film that shows you that films uh, from back in the fifties are not slow. It all takes place in one room the it's entire time. You never leave the room. So, it should be slow. It should come off as slow. It should come off as boring. It should come yeah. off, but it doesn't because of the powerful performances from all 12 actors in that film. When they have their moments to shine or their dialogue or their back and forth with certain people and seeing the progression of the change in each of them, as you said, Matt, bless you. As you said, Matt, it's, it's thrilling to watch because it's believable, you know? And at the end of the day, now when you look back on it, was Henry Fonda right or wrong? That's your decision because he offered as flimsy evidence or as circumstantial evidence as the original case did. Well, it's just whether, but a Henry Fonda's someone probable doubt, though. Right. And which is the whole point of a jury. If there's probable exactly. doubt, you don't probable doubt. Then you right. cannot convict somebody right. for the, you know, a death sentence or life in jail right. or whatever they were facing. Right. If you can't with certainty in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I think in lesser hands than Fonda's this earnest, Character would have been annoying. Yes, agreed. And in in, uh, in that time, right, Matt? Like that's the early fifties. We are what five, six, seven years out of the World War out of World War Two. We're about a few years away from the civil rights movements picking up steam. But here it is in this early fifties, and the film works on two levels. Because by the end of the movie, it's about the, the father having this bitterness towards a son that's left him and taking yeah. it out. And then there are people on the jury who are racist towards those kinds of people. So it could be a racist situation. I'm sorry. They're, they're biased towards those kinds of people. They say it more than once. And it either means poor people or people of color or poor people of color. And so all of that is like bubbling underneath. Uh, and, 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 John, and I love how he talks. But yeah, that is what made America great. You know what I mean? We got to <laughs> get back to a time when there was – Unspoken delineations, you know. Yes. We hinted at the difference. Yes. We all knew the score. 
And, uh, you know, that's just how the cookie crumbles. Of course, yeah. in some people's favor, it doesn't in others. Uh, but, yeah, it's nice to see that even then they could overcome the prejudices and whatnot. Yeah, that, that's what's... That's when movies were supposed to be about you being a better person, yeah. not being vilified for being SJW movies. So, uh, anyway, all right. So, the, my number one is 1917, man. That's all in one day. So, oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's the, okay. I, that definitely makes this list because I have what, what have we talked about? It? Maybe once, twice, max? Yeah, yeah. If that, if that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we talked about it in our top films of that of year, year, right? And yeah. then maybe one more, like a war film maybe. or something like that. Yeah, but this one, I mean, I, I knew immediately when the when we agreed on this as a topic, I was like, that's got to go number one because it's, it's, you know, it's sitting on my shelf behind me. I can't see, but it's sitting on my shelf behind me. It's one, it's my favorite, it's one of my favorite films ever in the last 30 years. Like, I'd put that in Social Network, like, mm-hmm. as a one-two over the last, I guess, 20 years, of the 2000s. I just love both of these movies so fucking much. Um, and the artistry and the technique of the director of what he does, who does, Sam Mendes, what he does in this movie is just stellar, man, stellar. And you're in it the whole time, the whole time. Um, and there's twists and turns and people die off and tragedy and whatever, all the way up until the last minute. And and he, it's such an incredibly well-earned emotional payoff by the time the end of the film happens. Uh, so I, yeah. I love it, man. Walking out, I asked Catherine, I was like, what do you think? She's like, I feel like I've seen that movie before. <sighs> And I just told her flat out, you haven't. <laughs> Normally, it's one of those, I, I never tell her opinions wrong. Right, of course, of course. You can have it, but I literally just went, "You ha- trust me, you haven't. As a person who's watched a lot of movies, I've never seen anything quite like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I understand what she's saying because it wasn't her cup of tea. So she's like, hey, it was fine. Um, it just the idea, A, to have try and do a single shot. But yeah. then the the bookends of as the movie genuinely starts because they're carefree hanging out under that tree, and yeah. when the the reality of the movie and whatnot starts, it's them slowly walking into the trenches. Yes, and it, it starts out and it's at their feet, and as they walk, you know, they get fifty feet in. Now it's at their waist, yeah, and a hundred feet in, it's at their shoulders, and it stays down in that type of atmosphere until the very end when he's out running on it on yeah. the side, like. He's now finally gotten out of the trenches and is trying to stop this calamitous event before it can happen. And it's the whole time it's just 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 perfect balance of peril and tension, psychological horror on top of the just the physical reality of warfare. Right. Expertly done, beautifully shot. The cinematography is gorgeous. The acting is next level. It's a great choice. Can't believe I didn't think of it. It makes my list. Uh, and I'll go ahead and uh, since it's only come up maybe on one max two list. Yeah. I'll make that my number one. Okay. All right. Done and done. For singularity, it's yeah. the best movie on my list. Fair enough. We got there. All yeah. right. That's our separate list. Let's put this uh, let's put this uh, bad boy together and then do some shout outs for you patrons. Uh, yeah. And we got uh, David Mitchell Baker's list as well. So we'll, yeah. once we make ours, we'll uh, read out his. DMP. Let's see here. All right. 1917. You don't have 12 angry, and your next highest is a two, right? Uh, yes. All right. You want to give me 12 angry there? Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. Right, right, so now, my number two. Okay. What'd you say? Do the right thing is my number two. 
Well, it's that versus my number two. Do you want to flip a coin? What's your two? Goonies. I realized to you it's not even a choice. It's not even a fucking choice. Come on, guy. Uh, you right? Yeah, there's a weird noise from outside. Oh, so you I'm, can't hear it, but it just started. Apple. Okay. Cool. No, no, no. It's constant. Like it's a sounds like a jackhammer type of speed. It's not a jackhammer, but that same re- repetition of type of thing. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I say we flip a coin. How can you? How can you possibly put like because, in the year of Black Lives Matter? You're going to put the Goonies up against Do the Right Thing and think you can't take a little bit of a step back and allow Do the Right Thing to be higher up on our list? Really? Well, that but that would be pandering. That's not pandering. That's respect. I have respect for the movie. You don't I, think the movie's not, better than the Goonies. You don't think Do the Right Thing is better than the Goonies? You're going to say that with a straight face? I have watched Goonies. Literally a thousand times more than I've seen Do the Right Thing. I mean, and I will watch it probably another 5,000 times more than Do the Right that's Thing. That's Billy Madison were your number one film ever made. Or whatever okay. one of those dumb okay. comedies are. Somebody in the world, their favorite movie of all time is Billy Madison. Right. Yes, it yeah, can't they happen. Live by a, they live in a dumpster. Come on. Okay, well, you know, that's you passing judgment on dumpster people. And I hope that they have internet and can reach out to you and tell you to fuck off. <laughs> I hope they do. Would I would you like to it. find a coin and flip it? You can go ahead and do that. <sighs> Man, this is horrific that you would do this. Do you want heads or tails? I just have a regular quarter. Heads. Heads. There's your heads. There's your tails. All right. Goonies it is. That's a shame. It landed on its side. It was rolling. Yeah. And it would have been wobbling, showing heads. And I was like, that's going to, and it wobbled around. And then it was giving you, it was giving you time to go like, should I realize my mistake here? No, you didn't do it. No mistake uh, need to be realized. So 1917 is one. What's two? Angry Men. Oh, I see. I see. I see. That was my one. So now we have twos. Um, Would you have a three? Die Hard. Yeah, that would have made my list. Where are we at right Uh, now? I got Scrooged at three. Okay. We both have Groundhog Day. We don't have five. Five, six. six. So let's go Groundhog there. Okay. Where are we at right now? Five? Are we at five or four or six? Uh, that was six. We're on to number seven. Oh, right. Already. Oh, wow. Okay. I have training day at four. Okay. I got Scrooge to three. So I'll take Scrooge there. Yeah. Scrooge is fine. Uh, I got the rate at four. You got training day with three spots left. Mm-hmm. You added source code or train to Busan? I added train to Busan. At where? Ten? Ten. Okay, we can hold off on train to boost on them. We both have our fours. Am I flipping another coin? I don't feel. I feel like you won already. A questionable decision. Maybe you could be a gentleman and acquiesce in this situation, and let me have mine above yours in this situation. That's what a gentleman would do. That's what you I, basically projecting onto what your idea in this situation a gentleman I, would do. I, I think would like proven that I both like, of us are willing to fudge our opinion depending on the circumstances at hand as to what should actually transpire. This I'm moment. glad you're willing to put yourself in the same... Uh, We're both oh, in that boat. We both knew it. We I both act magnanimous. It. <laughs> and, you know, we're both assholes about it. We both very it. true. This is very true. Uh, fuck, I don't have a coin. All right, fine. Flip again. Right, um, you I know what? I'm going to start one. getting a coin. What's that? I'm going to start getting, getting a coin. coin. Yeah, go, go get a coin. Yeah. I will... No, I mean, I don't have a coin. I'm saying I okay. will have a coin for the next time. All right. This one has Ellis Island on the back. Oh, I've never seen this quarter before. There's your front. 
right. Do you want heads or tails this time? I mean, you know, I'm take tails this time because that's uh, my parents were immigrants, so I will take that. Okay. Well, it landed on heads, but it was a shitty flip. One second. All right, all right. I appreciate your uh, yeah. Uh, well, it mostly did the. It didn't flip over. It did that little hover thingy, and yeah. uh, that's not fair. All right, that's a good flip. The immigrants have it. Training day. Oh yeah. All right. And our last one then would be train to Busan. Busan. Okay. All right, good to go. The top ten movies that happen in one day. Yeah. At number ten. Uh, the train to Busan. At number nine. The Raid Redemption. At number eight. Training Day. At number seven. Scrooged. At number six. Groundhog Day. At number five. Die Hard. At number four. Do the Right Thing. At number three. The Goonies. At number two. Twelve Angry Men. And our number one film that happens in one day is... 1917. Yeah. Good choice. Good uh, choice there. And then, Good choice uh, there. David Mitchell Baker's list. Yeah. He says, thanks as always for choosing uh, my topic. Ten, he's got Happy Death Day. Good choice. Nine is Fruitvale Station. Eight is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Seven yeah. is Alien. That made my other list. Oh, yeah. It's a nice choice. Six is Do the Right Thing. Five is Die Hard. Four is Airplane. Three is Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, God. Two is 12 Angry Men. Mm-hmm. And number one is Before Sunset. Never seen those movies. So Me either. I couldn't put them on the list. I apologize. Dan, we've seen those movies. Love that trilogy. Okay. Um, but, yeah, no, a great topic. Thank you, yes. David Mitchell. Thank you, David Mitchell. Very nice suggestion. We had a good time doing this one. Um, All right. So are now we, we have our... our- or shout outs or whatever. Yeah, our belated shout outs. We apologize. We are a, a week behind on these, technically two, but a week behind is what we're going to say. And uh, if you donate over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 at $5 and up, you get a shout out at the end of the month. And you also get to participate in Topic Thunder by emailing in questions over there. So yep. if you'd like to join, um, we thoroughly appreciate it because with the help of patrons, it's, it's really uh, enabled us to devote as much time as we do to this during COVID and everything yes. like that. So your support yes. has been immeasurably helpful yeah. um and our thanks to you um all right so all right. you ready yeah let's do it all right uh numero uno is phil knuckles uh ryan latonin zach cooper ray rosh robert miller paul cree what's up paul ryan payne daniel bettenhausen philip hunt ben archambeau colson Kuliopoulos. brandon m eggleston stephen westaway callie onkin Hans Eskelson. Justin Kelly. Uh, Ruben Enriquez. Lachlan Skinner. Nancy Mallory. Benny Haste. Charles Kim. Michael Ashby. Joseph Caron. Fred Castillo. Uh, scrolled down too far. Oh. Uh, Edward Wilshire. Oh. J. Scotty St. Clair. Charles J. Clark. Brian Beachy. Albert Wiradharma. Thomas Clarence. Sam Monsalvi. Zachariah Kaufman. Jeff Dickin. Sean Labua. Francisco J. Torres. Uh, Ewan Williams. 
Jimmy Nost. There he is. Connor Teal. Robert Francisco Suarece. Jambia uh, Canazar. Um, Andrew Marker. Michael Kelly. Tim Reimert. Brandon Monroe. Dominic Greaves. David Gregson. Cody Rexford. Eric Bruin. Matt Simmons. Frank Montoya. Jonathan Carroll. Uh, uh, skip Kyle Beckworth, or do we not do that one? Sorry. Oh, no, go. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, yeah I Kyle Beckworth. All right. Uh, Jeff Kelly. Jeremy Bowers. Joshua Stetz. James Petty. Nick Francis. Billy Gilliams. Christopher Brockman. Blake Gant. Kyle Feller. Haley Morton. Cameron Chapman. Marcus Davenport. Alex Russell. Matthew Pullen. Bobby Michael. Ashley Prowls. Daniel McCarty. Stephen Armstrong. Drew Burkhart. Stacy Flores. Scott Zarnecki. Luke Allison. Mark Fawcett. Kristen Kurtz. Bobby Carney. Dylan Johnson. Gareth Weldon. Cody Seal. Ian Horner. Timothy R. Williams. Chris Lemke. Hey. Uh, Nick Baldwin in Love with Movies podcast. Johanna Linoverta. Uh, JIC, JIC 317. DJ Red Hat Cox. Hello. Kyle Spawn. James Leggett. Ahmad Ali. Aaron Bush. Angela Dashner. James Winstead. Pasquale Bulfamante. Dan Petraglia. Oh, Burning App the Man. Sean Scott. Christopher McIntyre. Louis Berrigan. Josh Lawrence. Chelsea Lewis. Adelardo Fuente. Reagan Loving. Rodrigo Valverde III. Lawrence Witt. Andre Constantinesco. Elijah York. Steve Schlackemeyer. Catherine Samuels. Todd Whitkey. Houston Bodley. Roque Orellana. Keith Archer. Matt Hannigan. Maurice Robinson. Alan, Alan Snuffleup Pagus Bennett, I think. Brandon Caridi. Michael Schmurr. Ravi Prasad. Uh, Joe Farrelly. Charlie McKenna. Gunner R. Mark Menchaca. Oof. Josh Mabry. Ellis Cartwright. Uh, Nizar Alabasi. Uh, Tim Beggs. Jeremy Metz. Juan Reyes. My man, Mike Shirt. Blair Simpson. Josh Murphy. Alex Ramsey. Josh Sachs. George Menchaca. Dale Varley. Cody Markham. Phil Neglia. Chris Consiglio. Wayne Murphy. Edward Dobbins. Nick Dornoff. Johanna Schmidt. Andrew Ertz. Herbs. Sue. Sorry, Andrew Herbs. Uh, Sam Fernando. Uh, Eric Stevenson. Evan Zoller. Thorsten Almuller. Eric Bloor. Jacob Pullen. Philip Lane. Kevin Fuss. Jen Kemp. Hey, Jen. Ryan McKenna. Andy Tan. Andy Tan. Brian uh, Akins. Alexander Marzonia. Big Alex. Garth Wiesenant. Deborah Torres. Sean Brennan. Mike Barrington. Dimitri Melot. Ed Buzkirk. Oh, Lord. Ellis Menchaca. Uh, the offspring Menchaca. Nicholas Smith. Jeff Saliba. Noel Kelleher. Jim Payne. Pat Kohler. The Cinephiles. David Mitchell Baker. Andy Ortiz. John Keefe. Kristen Smith. Matthew Lee Cravens. Marcel Berman. James Trapani. Drew Enns. And I. You handsome son of a bitch. Seth Shearer. Laura Deverson. Andrew Hayes. Niall Blackie. Matt Yund. Chris Jones. Luke Larson. Chris Cabrera. Julian Key. Robert Haley. 
Joey Anthony. Christos Alexakos. And Anthony Casalnova. Uh, our thanks to everybody that supports us over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10. We apologize for being late on that, but better late than never. And uh, there are shout outs. Um, I think that's it for this week's yeah, show, don't that's you? It. I think that's it. Thank yeah. you all so much for watching us. Don't forget to pick up a top 10 mask. I think the uh, the link underneath will be in the description underneath this video. You can go and uh, click on that link and buy a top 10 mask for like 15, 16 bucks. Wear around and represent us all around, Tad, as you also keep safe from the COVID. So definitely do that. Uh, don't forget we have Golden Ticket. Uh, every Monday, we have Tropic Thunders every Thursday slash Friday. Uh, and, of course, our main show here uh, on Tuesdays. And don't forget to uh, also subscribe to the YouTube channel or so you can watch us live. If you listen to us on podcast, maybe you want to watch us go at each other live. You can do – or I'm sorry, on camera. You can do so over there at the YouTube channel. So thank you all so much for everything you've been doing. And I echo Matt's words. Thank you so much to all the patrons for supporting us. And we love giving you shout-outs every month. Uh, yes, sir. Bobby O. And you can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost. Uh, check out Dropping Dimes of our new show, Settle the Score. And you can find those anywhere you find podcasts. That is it for me. What about you, sir? Boom. You can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram. If you want to come follow me on my YouTube channel, all the stuff we got going on there, please go to youtube.com slash John Roca Says. Don't forget about the cinephiles. Uh, and is that it? That's pretty much it. That's all I have. This show, the cinephiles, and all the stuff I'm doing on my network so go be involved in all of that certainly a lot going down uh there so mm-hmm. um all right that's it thank you all so much and uh we'll talk to you next time on another brand new episode of the top 10 show Ooh.